What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shave Daily. My name's Brennan Schaefer. Alongside you here after a Cardinals winner on Tuesday, July 6th, of course, being on the West Coast out there in San Francisco, the ball game didn't get over until the early hours of Wednesday, July 7th, but we'll be talking about Tuesday's game here on this episode of the podcast as the Cardinals take down the Giants in a thriller 6-5 to out at Oracle Park in San Francisco. I'm still tempted to call it AT&T Park, but since it did technically come to me correctly when it was my turn to speak it just a moment ago, I guess I'll go with it there. But if I get it wrong in a future iteration of the phrase, I'm not going to correct myself. Cardinals get the win, though, 6-5 over the Giants. What a crazy ball game on Tuesday as St. Louis able to take the first two games of this series against a first-place opponent. It's like the Cardinals are entering the upside down. They weren't able to beat all those bad teams that they played for 20 games straight. So then everybody's got themselves all tied in knots about the idea that the Cardinals had this opportunity. We talked at length about the opportunity they had when you played. It was like the Rockies and the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. The Braves were mixed in there, a couple against the Tigers as well. And you and you got the Rockies toward the end of the stretch before heading to San Francisco. And it was like that was your chance to make a dent in the standings. You didn't do it. Now is all hope lost. Well, now the Cardinals have taken the first two against the Giants. Game three will be Wednesday, another late one in San Francisco for that game. Then the Cardinals get a day off on Thursday before traveling to the Chicago Cubs, play a three-game series at Wrigley Field, a prospect that a couple weeks ago at this time would have been pretty daunting. Since then, the Cubs have lost 11 straight games. They lose again on Tuesday. Suddenly, the Cardinals now ahead of the Cubs in the standings. Chicago having their own little tailspin after the Cardinals go through a horrific June. The Cubs are trying to do them one better by taking themselves out of the race in the NL Central uh, before July really gets its feet under it. So really interesting to see what's going on with the Cubs there. No idea how that continues to happen. Their starting pitching was so good over the early portion of the season that allowed them to get into the driver's seat in the Central. They were getting contributions out of several bullpen guys that maybe you didn't expect to be able to hold things down. And guys like Patrick Wisdom emerging offensively. Everything's kind of turned around in a negative direction now for the Cubs to where entering that series against the Cardinals, they could be on a legitimate historic losing streak. I saw it compiled by Gordon Wittenmeyer, who writes about the Cubs for an outlet there in Chicago, that the Cubs' longest losing streak since 1900. They've had quite a few examples of 11 uh, some 12s in there, three cases of 13, and one 14-game losing streak, which began their 1997 season. So if the Cubs are to continue losing before that weekend job at Wrigley coming up, which they've got two more games against the Philadelphia Phillies, they don't have an off day on Thursday, so they'll be playing straight through. The Cubs, if they lose their next two before Friday's afternoon start against the Cardinals, would then be on a 13-game losing streak. St. Louis would have the chance to send the Cubs to their 14th straight if the next two days unfold as such. Wanted to mention real quick, I appreciate you all for bearing with me. After the 4th of July holiday, I mentioned yesterday that I was a little bit without a voice tonight. It's a little bit more in my sinuses. I've just got a little something going on. So appreciate you guys sticking with me, even if I sound like a buffoon on this edition of the podcast. Hopefully tomorrow night, 
more clear and back to usual. But we're going to power through nevertheless because we've got a really exciting Cardinals game to talk about. And it wasn't all good. There were there were plenty of negatives to talk about. I think it's probably incumbent upon us to focus on some of the positives now that the Cardinals have actually won six of their last nine. They're starting to turn things around to some extent, especially with regard to the way they're performing offensively. Tonight was another positive showing where the Cardinals score in four separate innings. They score as the game goes along. They get a lead, and then Adam Wainwright, who was on the bump tonight for the Cardinals, didn't have his best start. He called himself, quote, mediocre after the game with the way that he performed tonight. Five innings, only gave up three runs, but Adam Wainwright, you certainly have an expectation for him, and he does for himself to go deeper than five innings and just was dealing with a lot of base runners. Got away with some of it. Obviously didn't get away with all of it, giving up the three runs, but seven hits and four walks. Very atypical for what Adam Wainwright normally brings to the table. But because of the way the offense was able to perform, he actually gets out of here with a win. The bullpen, a little bit of a rocky showing, but when you look at what they had to work with, they've really worked some of the bigger names like Gallegos and Reyes pretty hard of late. There was just no way Reyes was going to be available to come in to pitch in this game after pitching for a couple of days in a row previously, and it was Andrew Miller that got things started. Ryan Helsley coming through with big five outs for the Cardinals. John Gant makes an appearance out of the bullpen. I think the Cardinals' bullpen is much more successfully aligned when you've got Gant in it rather than having him in the rotation. I just think things tend to slot in a little better, but wasn't a perfect night for him, nor was it perfect for Genesis Cabrera, who came in after him. But we'll get to the reason for that. Some of the defensive lapses that we saw tonight from the Cardinals in that little Bermuda triangle in short center field was nearly something that cost the Cardinals this game. And and this was a game the Cardinals just couldn't afford to lose. I said it afterwards. And, of course, Dylan Carlson with the big catch that secures the victory in the end with Justin Miller on the mound, like a guy who wasn't even on the team a week ago ends up recording arguably the the most critical save of the season to date because like I said this just wasn't a game the Cardinals could afford to lose when you perform offensively the way they did when you have Wainwright not showing his best stuff yet being able to navigate five innings and get out of the outing with a lead it was four to three at the time that he departed the game you go to your bullpen you didn't have your a group necessarily but you were doing just enough You're tacking on runs as the game goes along. A couple of huge insurance runs over the 7th and 8th innings of this game for the Cardinals. One coming from just a heads-up baseball play by Nolan Arenado, who, with Yadier Molina at the plate against John Brebbia, former Cardinal pitching tonight for the Giants, Arenado takes second base on a a ball in the dirt. Brebbia was throwing a lot of sliders. Yadier does a nice job to kind of deke as though he's kind of checking his swing, half swing, which almost takes the catcher's attention off of the ability to catch the ball clean and try to fire it to Arenado at second base. It's a question of, was it a check swing? What? And so just uh, Yachty always finding a way to add just a little bit extra to a play, divert some attention. He's really good at that, has become a master at, at those kinds of tactics over the years. Whether it played into anything or not, who's to say? I think on a slider in the dirt like that, Arenado was getting to second base regardless. But then that sets up Yachty as the situational hitting genius that he is to be able to take a pitch that was honestly like shoulder high and punch it into left field basically between the hole through shortstop and third base. It was like a ground ball that he hit 
off the top of his shoulders. It was just it's just a classic Yachty swing in a situation where you just need a base hit to score a run once Arenado finds his way to second. So they're able to get that run, a huge bit of insurance in the seventh inning, and then Edmundo Sosa finds a way as well in the eighth inning. Homers with two outs to give the Cardinals a run that ultimately they would need because, as we mentioned in the bottom of the eighth, things got a little bit tricky for what I believe was the third time in the game from a defensive perspective. We'll get into it a little bit more in a moment. I wanted to touch first on Edmundo Sosa and the job that he's been doing. Not a guy that profiles with a lot of power, but he said in this situation he was noticing the way he was being pitched and just tried to stay on the ball, a little breaking ball inside, lower part of the plate, and hits a line drive, kind of lofts one, and you could tell he got a decent amount of it off the bat, but just the way he managed to, it's almost like he walked out there and placed it just over the left center field wall for a huge solo shot, giving the Cardinals some insurance that would prove very valuable. It's a 6-3 game at that point, but when you get into the bottom of the eighth inning, things start to go to a territory where they could have unraveled for the Cardinals, to be totally honest with you. And I think sometimes with these West Coast games, for those in St. Louis who stay up late to watch the thing, it's past midnight in many cases, and you can just kind of have that feeling begin to creep in that, oh boy, this could be a rough one if the Cardinals aren't able to hang on. They were doing something tonight that they haven't done, at least with enough frequency this season, and that's play from ahead. Mike Schild even mentioned it in his post-game Zoom, the fact that they were playing from in front tonight. It's been over the course of their losing skid, streak, whatever you want to call it, that the Cardinals have gotten out to slow starts and haven't been able to find any momentum because you're not building it from the beginning of the game. And when it feels like you're starting every game down to nothing, it's really difficult to find that mojo offensively where you can sort of command at-bats and find your way to eke across runs from inning to inning and play from a position of strength. The Cardinals were able to do that tonight thanks to Nolan Arenado, who just seems to love hitting against these NL West teams. And Paul Goldschmidt comes through as well in the fourth inning with a couple of RBIs of his own. Arenado's on a home run in the first inning, getting the job done. And one thing I will say about the offense for the Giants, like I've talked about how I just don't understand how the Giants are as good as they are. Even after the last couple of losses, they're still 21 games above 500. Like the Cardinals are a game below. And you look up and down this Giants lineup, and it's like, how in the hell are they doing this? Again, I don't mean any offense to these players. Uh, Yastrzemski's a good player. They've got some solid guys like Wilmer Flores having a decent season offensively. Uh, just looking a little bit further at their lineup, Donovan Solano, not a huge hitter, but we've seen some good things from him defensively. Uh, Duggar, the outfielder, has had a pretty good year for them looking at his 907 OPS. The guy who really, to me, right now of the guys in their lineup that's been kind of the heart and soul, and he showed that tonight, Brandon Crawford. Like, this has been a guy who's been around forever, it seems like, but he's never been a, a really great hitter like in any season in his career, the dude's got an OPS of 896 at this point and just couldn't find a way to make it out tonight. Four for five, three runs driven in, was single-handedly keeping the Giants in this game through the first five innings, was able to drive in all three runs off of Adam Wainwright. I actually picked him up in a fantasy trade recently, just thinking, I mean, look at those numbers. They can't, you can't argue with that. 17 homers on the season, 
OPS near 900. I, I've never really thought a whole lot of him offensively. Obviously, a really quality big leaguer over the years, but it's just absolutely bonkers what he's been able to do this season. And again, was just all over everything that he saw at the plate tonight, going four for five, driving in the bulk of the Giants' run. So credit to Brandon Crawford. I don't know how the man keeps doing it, but hey, for the sake of my fantasy team, I'm not going to complain. Hopefully he's able to continue it. But looked really good tonight for the Giants. Was part of the reason that coming into that eighth inning, they even had a chance in this game. But let's get into it. Let's talk about how in the world the Giants were able to come up with a couple of runs in the bottom of the eighth, which really turned the ninth inning into the the misadventure that it began to look like it would be before Justin Miller somehow comes in and saves the day. In the bottom of the eighth inning, John Gant comes into the game, gets the first out, no problem, but then a, a, an issue that we saw with him in the rotation, walks a batter, and so you're, you're just thinking, okay, still a three-run lead. You don't want to walk guys in that situation, but not the end of the world, able to get the second out of the inning. That's when Henesis Cabrera comes in, and so Gant basically, for what the matchups the Cardinals were wanting to play, did his job. He's going to end up being charged with an earned run after Cabrera gives up a base hit to center field. 6-4 to four at that point, still not the end of the world. You're one out away from getting out of it. And then the play that what was the third instance of this happening, miscommunication, between the outfield and the infield on these bloop hits, fly balls into shallow center, sometimes a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, regardless, situations where three guys legitimately, with how high the ball was in the air on this particular hit by Wilmer Flores in the eighth, all three of them could have gotten to this baseball, whether it's Paul DeYoung at shortstop and Mundo Sosa at second or Harrison Bader, the center fielder. Any one of them could have caught this ball. But because it had continued to happen over the course of the game, the way I saw this play breaking down was Harrison Bader didn't have the confidence, whether it's because he's playing a little deeper than you would normally see a center fielder play, trying to prevent the extra base hit, whatever the case might be there. You know, obviously the, the tying run in that situation is at the plate, and so if you're able to keep him out of scoring position, that's great. But you don't want to give up anything in front of you, especially if it's avoidable. In this situation... Totally avoidable. And I do have to pin some of that, really the bulk of that, on Harrison Bader. Because in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, but this is just always the way that I viewed it, the center fielder has got to be the quarterback out there of the defense, especially up the middle, directing traffic when necessary. And in a case like this, I, I for me personally, like I've seen differing opinions, I don't agree with the idea that if Bader's not intending to catch the ball, he stays quiet. To me, he's got to be the one directing out there to say, it's you or it, you know, how, whatever their system of communication is going to be, he's the one that has the best view of that, and he can direct traffic the way I see it to be able to figure out who's going to catch that baseball. Honestly, with, with the athleticism and the speed that Bader possesses, it should be his ball. As a center fielder, if you're charging hard and you're intent upon making the play, which is what's so interesting because that's normally exactly who Harrison Bader is as an outfielder. Defensively, every ball is his, and he's the aggressor in a lot of those situations. We talked about this earlier in the season when Lane Thomas was having trouble as the center fielder when Bader was out for a little while that the communication just wasn't there for the defense. Bader usually doesn't have these problems, but I think because whether it's the wind, and, and obviously that played a factor, as we're going to hear from Adam Wainwright here in a moment when he was talking about the final catch of the game made by Dylan Carlson, the wind certainly was a factor, and I'm not going to discount that. I know in San Francisco, you're on the water. It can certainly come into play. 
And so I think that was a reason that confidence was a little bit lapsed between the trio of defenders up the middle for the Cardinals. The fact that they'd had a couple of plays already dropping on them that probably should have been made. But this one, the most egregious because the game's on the line there in the eighth inning. If you're Bader, to me, you've got to be charging hard. I get nobody wants to have collisions. I get Bader spent more than his fair share on the injured list already this season. But I think it's an avoidable situation if you're the center fielder. Take charge of the ball. Decide what's going to happen. And if you see the play unfolding, you're the guy that has the best opportunity to make that catch. It's a tough play, wind or no wind, for an infielder to make over the shoulder coming into shallow center field, whether it's a shortstop or the second baseman. I think everybody going full bore, Harrison Bader has the best chance at that ball. I would like to see him in the future take charge of it. And if he's not going to get there, he's got to decide who is going to get there and be able to direct the traffic accordingly. I think that would be uh, something the Cardinals could stand to work on as far as communication a little bit up the middle, decide what the system's going to be, and I'm sure they have one in place. I think tonight it just got into a little bit of their heads collectively as a group. When you see it happen once, you see it happen twice, then you're trying to guess, okay, well, what's he going to do? Do I need to cover for this guy? Do I need to be in my own mark? Where do I need to Where do I need to go? And it just didn't seem like they had anybody definitively calling the shots out there. And to me, that should be the center fielder's ball. Ends up being a situation where it costs the Cardinals an extra run. Fortunately, they are able to get out of it with a big strikeout for Cabrera of Tyro Estrada to get out of the eighth inning. But then you get into the ninth, and you really, if you're Mike Schilt, don't have anybody else to go to out of that bullpen. Presumably Gallegos unavailable. Reyes certainly was. And so when they come back from the commercial break, it's Cabrera on the mound for the bottom of the ninth trying to continue the job that he started there coming in on in relief of Gant in the eighth. And they show Justin Miller kind of getting loose in the bullpen. Justin Miller, brand new Cardinal, wasn't on a team a week ago, and he's called as as the freshest right-hander potentially available for that spot. If it goes past the first three batters in the inning, it's going to be Justin Miller's game. No offense to the guy, but that's a scary situation to walk into for the Cardinals. I mean, his second appearance with the team, not a whole lot of experience there. It's just a a do-or-die situation where Mike Shilton had been playing the matchups all night long, and that's where it led to you're hoping that Cabrera is able to get things done, but he ends up allowing the first couple of base runners to reach, and now you're in a situation where you know you're going to see some Justin Miller in that ball game. A base hit for Crawford, he was a pest on him all night, and then a four-pitch walk to Solano. I'm surprised at that point that Mike Schilt doesn't go to the bullpen, but I understand the reason for it. You're planning that inning around Cabrera facing two lefties and Steven Duggar coming up, left-handed batter. After four straight balls to Solano, you're thinking, man, that's rough. I, I, I You know, you don't really have much of a choice. This, he was in the game to face this next batter as well. Gets the job done, a really important ground ball that he induces to second base. Probably could have been a double play by Edmundo Sosa. He made some really good defensive plays tonight, though. This was one where just kind of ate him up a little bit, was able to recover enough that he could make the barehanded flip to DeYoung in order to get that out at second, set up a big situation of first and third. Here comes Justin Miller, huge pop-up, and then the big honking fly ball that he gets. Dylan Carlson back to the wall, crashing in. Picturesque catch reminds you of the one O'Neal made against the Dodgers out in Los Angeles some number of weeks ago. A walk-off catch. It's the second time, to my recollection, 
the Cardinals have been able to claim one of those this season. Huge play for Carlson, who was in left field only because O'Neill was a late scratch from the starting lineup because of a food-related allergy that, whatever it was, it was not going to allow him to play in this game on Tuesday. And so in an unfamiliar position, at least for what Dylan has been used to doing in 2021, Carlson makes the massive catch. Cardinals win it 6-5. to five. 13 hits up and down the lineup. The Cardinals were getting things done tonight offensively. That, to me, is the story of the game. Rough nights for just a couple of guys. Carlson 0 for 4, but did draw a walk that allowed that bases-loaded situation for Goldsmith to happen in the fourth inning. Goldsmith cashes in there for the big base knock and two runs that, uh, you know, Cardinals ended up needing every run in this game. So you got to give credit where it's due to Carlson for drawing that hard-nosed walk, but did strike out three times in the game. Edmund had an 0 for 4 with a K as well. Paul DeYoung, I, you know, if you're looking for one negative from the night, it's Paul DeYoung offensively and really defensively being a part of some of those issues in the middle of the, the Bermuda Triangle out there in shallow center. 0 for 4, 3 Ks. I haven't looked, I don't know, you know, you never want to say, well, a guy looks this or that or disinterested or whatever. To me, he just doesn't look right. Whatever it is about Paul DeYoung right now, I know he's better than the way he looked tonight he's been having maybe some better at bats of late tonight was not one of those nights uh he just did not look comfortable on the baseball field from from my vantage point so uh but everywhere else in the lineup some big contributions Sosa going three for four had the big homer Yachty getting back into the swing of things with a three for five night Nolan goes three for five as well we mentioned the homer and a couple of hits with the big RBI knock for Paul Goldschmidt so contributions up and down the batting order really key Matt Carpenter even comes in with a base hit as a pinch hitter later in that game big time output by the Cardinals tonight offensively six indeed was a serious number but it all came down to Dylan Carlson there in the ninth inning and I wanted to share with you before we get out of here gonna wrap the podcast a little bit short this evening because it is almost 2 a.m in the central time zone Adam Wainwright though had a great quip talking about the wind as it were and the way it affected him tonight in this game and leading into how he perceived the Dylan Carlson catch that allowed the Cardinals to seal the victory. The wind was so strong tonight. There were several times I was I was taking the sign and the wind was like literally about to blow me around. Like I, I had to like really dig in to not fall over. Um, but so we were watching that inside and there's a delay on our game. On But on the other TV that's like an overhead view, you can see it in live and uh, Andrew Miller was watching that one. <clears throat> we were watching the live or the, the delayed feed. And uh, he said, he said, yeah, good. Like, no big deal, right? But we heard like screams in the background. So we knew we got an out. And I was like, what happened? He goes, oh, I was just a ground ball short. And then, you know, we see Dylan make that great play against the walls. Just a completely, uh, even though we knew the out was already made, it was still like, Ugh! like it was a big deal. So, yeah, it was a huge catch. It was a great play in the time we needed it. Good stuff there from Cardinals starter Adam Wainwright, who improved to 7-5 on the season with the win on Tuesday night. Again, he said he acknowledged he didn't have his best stuff, but I think you, you saw what Wainwright, the veteran, is able to accomplish, even with less than his best stuff. Definitely had some Houdini acts he had to get out of tonight. You don't normally see him, as I mentioned, walk four guys in a game, especially only over five innings, but was able to find a way to grit through, keep his team in the game, and, and credit to the offense tonight for getting the job done. Cardinals starting to kind of find that cohesion a little bit, right? It, it's what they had been missing so much 
over the course of June, the cohesion, the cohesiveness to be able to see the offense vibe a little more when the starting pitcher needs them to do so, when the bullpen maybe needs a pick-me-up, finding a way as a group to find W's on the schedule. Cardinals doing that a couple of times so far in this series against San Francisco. Going to have their work cut out for them tomorrow. Alex Wood, 7-3 and on the mound for the Giants. 3.89 ERA on the season. Definitely on paper would say that San Francisco has the advantage in the pitching matchup in this one. 0-4, Johan Oviedo with a 5.14 ERA going for the Cardinals. Still looking for that first career major league win. Has never faced any of these players on the Giants looking across the diamond and how the Cardinals have fared against Alex Wood. A little bit of experience for Goldschmidt, but just a 190 average and 21 at-bats. Arenado, 125 average in 16 at-bats. It'll be interesting to see if both the main stars for the Cardinals are in the lineup tomorrow, given those career numbers against Wood. Like I said, those are the two guys that really can carry this team, have been able to come alive a little bit more of late, but if they have bad numbers against tomorrow's starter, definitely a game where the Cardinals just got to find a way to grit through and take a sweep. Uh, you would have been happy coming into this series if you were told that the Cardinals were going to take two out of three on the road against the first place Giants. But now that you're here in this situation, what better time than now for Johan Oviedo? Go ahead and get that first big league W under his belt. Again, the fact that he's been pitching now for uh, about a year, hasn't been able to find that win, uh, that, that much elusive first big league win. Don't think that's an indictment on him as a pitcher moving forward or the, the, the heights that he can reach in his career, but certainly getting the monkey off his back, I think would allow him to settle in a little bit more easily to his big league career, feel better about his ability to compete. He's certainly shown he can compete out there tomorrow. Once again, going to have his work cut out for him against the Giants. appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me for B-Shave Daily. If you haven't subscribed to the show, I just don't know what the heck you're waiting for. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, any of those locations. Type it into your search bar if you've got to find it the old-fashioned way. B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F Daily. B-Shave Daily. We'd love to have you on board for the remainder of the season. Cardinals with the win tomorrow would improve back to the 500 mark. They've passed the Cubs in the division. We'll see if they're able to keep that lead heading into the series at Wrigley Field this weekend and perhaps expand on it a little bit after the series if the Cardinals can catch the Cubs at maybe a good time because the Cubs are really struggling right now. We'll see as this week goes along. We'll have podcasts and coverage from Wrigley Field as I will be traveling up to Chicago on Thursday in preparation for that day game on Friday at Wrigley. So appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace!